Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. How are you doing? You good? Are you good? I didn't know, but last week I started the Y series. I didn't know that, but we did. We were doing a Y series in the fall, and I thought I was just going to do a one-off to encourage you to get involved in small groups and all those things. But started last week with Why Am I in Line? And, uh, you know, just about the purpose of God in your life, that he's placed you right now. You're specifically, clearly placed where you are right now in the line of God and the line of his purposes. And so you need to know that. So I want to jump into one more today, why it's happening right now. I want to talk about why am I stuck? Why am I stuck? And, you know, people get stuck. You know, in the bigger, broader, cosmic purposes of God, we were brought into this cosmic struggle that Almighty God was having. And God is God, and there's none like him. But he created things, and he's God among the gods, and it really means gods. There are powerful beings and things that he created. There was a cosmic struggle and revolt against his purposes. And in the midst of that cosmic struggle, when there was chaos and there was void, God created us. And God placed mankind in the midst of this struggle for a purpose, for a partnership and all those things. But you see, if you don't come to God and recognize that purpose, you don't embrace what he wants to do for you, you'll never realize and you might find yourself in a place where you're stuck. But Jesus came to unstick you in every, every single way. So we want to unstick you in a big way today. Get you got to know and you got to say, man, I am not supposed to be stuck. So we want to get you free today. Second Corinthians chapter 3.18 but we all, we all, come on, are we all here today? We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, face to face, we are beholding, we are reveling in, we are looking into the reality of the glory of God. And we are being transformed from gory to glory. No, it's not gory to glory. It's not, it's not bad to better. It's from glory to glory. It actually starts in glory. So you don't go into glory, you're already in glory, you started in glory, and we are transformed going to one realm and expression of his glory to a greater revelation and just a constant unpacking of the goodness of God. See, God transcends everything. I mean, even trying to identify and, and put a, a boundaries on God to even explain him as idolatrous because God himself transcends every explanation. But God wants us to embrace him and he wants us to go in glory to greater revelation and understanding of glory. But it all begins in glory. It's all in glory that you're experiencing glory, more glory, more revelations of how wonderful he is, unpacking his goodness day after day in your life, causing a transformation in you by the spirit of God, a transformation into the wonderful revelation of everything God has for you. Psalm chapter 84, five to seven, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And he's talking about people who partner with God, people who embrace his teachings and pilgrimage as we honor the feet. We, when the feasts are on, we go, we pilgrimage, we, we honor times to set ourselves apart to God. And he said, blessed are those who are set on pilgrimage, those who are moving, say moving, 
as they pass through the valley of Baca, they go through the valley of struggle, valley of pain, valley of weeping, valley of tears. Those who are on pilgrimage with God, when they go through difficult times, they make it a spring. When you go through a difficulty, because you're on pilgrimage with God and you're moving in his purposes, even the miserable spots you turn into a place of refreshing. They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. They don't get strength. They're in strength. And they go from strength to more strength. There's just an ongoing revelation of goodness, of strength, of power, of majesty. It just gets better and better as we're serving Jesus. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. All right. Look what it says here. It says in the Psalm chapter 115, 14, it says, may the Lord give you increase more and more. Say more and more. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May there be generational more and more blessing on everything you do. And then the Apostle Paul, talking to the Thessalonians, he said, but I urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. There's a more and more. There's a better and better. There's a glory to glory. There's a goodness to goodness. There's a strength to strength that God has called the body of Christ to. And God wants you to continue to move in a greater and increased revelation of who he is. Troubles happen in life, folks, when we stop moving. When you get stuck, you are stuck because you stopped moving. And you've allowed yourself to get stuck in a moment, stuck in a situation, stuck in a circumstance, stuck in an event, stuck in your history, stuck in a narrative, stuck in a place that God doesn't intend you to be because God has called you to a life of more and more, good or good or better over better, strength to strength, glory to glory, where you're constantly moving ahead in the goodness of God. Don't let yourself get stuck. Can I get an amen? Just, just a hallelujah. Just maybe one glory to God. You know, I, a couple weeks ago, I, I woke up and my neck was stiff and I didn't know what it was because my wife got me a new pillow and I was starting to sleep better and wasn't having those shoulder pains and Cheryl didn't like the pillow I had, so she got me a, a good one. I said, man, I'm sleeping good. This is good. But all of a sudden, my neck was stuck again and, and kinked up and every time I turned a certain way, I went, ow, and it's, ow. And you know, sometimes you, when it goes, ow, you just resist that because it goes, ow, so you stop moving your neck and you start living like this because you're like... What are you doing that for? Because every time, I do, oh. You know, when you stop moving, when you get stuck and you stop moving, you're not going to get rid of the owl. So I realized that, you know, no matter how that hurt, I had to go after it. I had to go after that owl. I had to, I had to keep, because I, I remember when I had surgery on my elbow, I was, I was uh, protecting one of our uh, projectors. We brought a projector. It was $8,500 projector. Two years later, it was a doorstop. I couldn't even sell it for 20 cents. But anyways, we set it up, and I was just trying to, you know, zoom it in a little bit and change the focus, and I'm on a ladder really high where, you know where it says, don't go above this step? Well, I was above that step, and, and I was up there, and there's nobody else in the room, just me, and I was trying to, you know, set it up and adjust it just right, and then all of a sudden, the ladder started to go, and I was still holding the projector. So I wanted to make sure the projector was good, so I just, amazing, I did this double clutch, like a Michael Jordan move. I don't know what it was. I was Air Jordan, just up there. The ladder fell under me, but I was still there. And I made sure that that $8,500 projector, then it was safe and secure. And then I free fell right to the ground on top of the ladder. Boom. And the next thing I heard was, ah! <laughs> and then I realized that was me. And, 
and I shattered my radius bone, dislocated my elbow. It popped right out, and I was like in a lot of pain. So I went in shock. Oh, my goodness. And anyway, we got to the doctors, and that was the day that an orthopedic surgeon had died, and all the orthopedic surgeons were at her funeral. So nobody could fix my elbow. So they gave me an appointment for a week later. So I walked around with a shattered radius and my elbow a mess for like a week. Then I got to the doctor, and the doctor said, he said, I don't do elbows. I do hands and upper arms. I'm going to have to make you an appointment with another doctor. I went, what? So he says, next week you get to go. Then I finally got to the doctor. He said, my goodness, when did this happen? I said, two weeks ago. It's Canadian healthcare. I've been walking around with a wrecked arm for two weeks waiting for somebody to pay attention. And he said, you should have had surgery right away. Went, no kidding. So anyways. So they got me in the next day, peeled out all the broken bones and put in a bionic elbow. Actually, put in a metal post and an elbow and put, packed me all back together. But on the next day, they gave me an appointment to go to the physiotherapist. And when I got to the physiotherapist, I mean, I'm in a, you know, I'm, I'm jacked on, you know, painkillers. You know. It was heaven. It was, but <laughs> it was not. Although my wife did take the pills from me that day. So... He said, you're having altogether too much fun. This is not good. So anyway, I'm there, and I, I thought we were going to, you know, develop a strategy for rehabilitation of my elbow, and so I met with them because, I mean, I still got stitches. I'm all scarred up, and, and so I'm walking in. I go, what's going on? They said, oh, Mr. Thomas, good to see you. Just go over there. Put your elbow in the whirlpool. And I went, I got stitches on my elbow. It's okay. They'll be fine. Just stick your elbow in the whirlpool. I went, what am I doing this for? This is crazy stuff. I just set some appointments for one more. Oh, we're starting now. We're starting now? You know, right away that day, I, I heated up my elbow, and then somebody started jerking my elbow everywhere. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah! But you know, they said, we've got to keep it moving. You just had a trauma to your elbow, and if we don't start dealing with this right away, even though you had surgery yesterday, if we don't start dealing with this right away, you're going to lose movement. You're going to lose, and you're going to get stuck, and you're going to lock up. So anyway, I did have to get my elbow moving. I got it moving, but that always stuck with me, you know? That I find a lot of people, you get stuck and you wonder why. It's because you stop moving. And a lot of times you just stop moving with God. You start thinking it's his turn or something else going on, and you get stuck in your moments, stuck in your experiences, stuck in your narrative, stuck in your problems. And you know, you don't have to stay stuck anywhere. You can keep moving. And the thing is, God wants you to move from better to better to gooder to gooder or glory to glory. He wants you to keep tracking in it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Just a few minutes. Just bless you with that. Can we do that? Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. We are all doing good with this is the day, but this was my favorite song. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and, you're leaving me hanging here, and have our, be ready? Make a joyful noise, whoa, singing to the Lord. Hey, tell him of his love, come dance before him. Make a joyful noise, whoa, singing to the Lord. Tell him of his love, hallelujah. In him we live and move and have our being. How many are feeling the anointing increase right now? I mean, it's so awesome. Now, that's the song that never ends. It doesn't have an ending. It just goes on and on. And we would sing the same lines over and over and over. And it was so much fun back then, wasn't it? I got a few romantics here. Yes. But I love, listen, for in him we live and move. Say move. 
in him we live and move and have our being. Hebrews 4, 11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter. Let us do everything we can to enter into his rest. Even moving into rest, there's an effort to move into it, to maintain it, to sustain it, to stay in a place of rest. Even the rest of God is something that we got to move into with effort. We got to go for it with everything in us. It says the rest so that no one will perish by following the example of their disobedience. Who are they? Their disobedience. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 14. Can you say Exodus 14? Can you turn to Exodus 14? Exodus 14. Now fear not, but we're going to read the whole chapter. Amen. Say amen. Okay, chapter 14. Now here we are. The people of God, they've been in captivity, not captivity, but in, been in exile, been in bondage all this time. The people of God went into bondage in Egypt. They were there for 400 years, and Moses was raised up to be their deliverer and to deliver them. And this is all the type of Christ. And coming through the Red Sea is a type of being baptized into Christ. They were all baptized and identified into Moses. But here they are, and they got set free, all right? The people of Israel, total slaves, had no idea what freedom was about. 400 years they'd been in bondage, and now they're set free, and they're headed towards the promise of God, set free. All right, so verse 1 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hiroth, between Migdal and the sea, between Baal and Zephon, and they shall camp there before the sea. Now, the people of God were headed to the promised lands over here they were like whoa we're out this is awesome we're going whoa and then God said wait a minute go back this way whoa okay we're going this way so they're headed back towards Egypt and then they put themselves in front of the Red Sea beside a place that is called the tower it's a high mountain place and another spot that's basically a cave and a hole in the ground so they're between a rock and a hard place standing in front of the Red Sea now they're headed out, we're gone, we're out. And then all of a sudden God says, go back over here between a rock and a hard place in the Red Sea. God said that. So God said, I'm gonna do it though because I'm gonna confuse the mind of Pharaoh and he's gonna think you're messed up and he's gonna pursue you. So why are they there? Why are they there? Between a rock and a hard place in the Red Sea, why are they there? It's God Almighty doing something wonderful. God sets you in a place like that. And even when it looks like you might be stuck, it's so that God can manifest his glory. So we're going to get unstuck in a supernatural way. So Pharaoh says, the children of Israel, they're bewildered. Look at them. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. Verse 4, he said, I will harden the heart of Pharaoh so that they will pursue them, and I will gain honor. I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all of his army. See, God placed you in this struggle, in this cosmos with him because he wanted to defeat every other God, every other thing that's opposed to the revelation of his goodness in the cosmos. God has placed you in this time and space and in this partnership with God to redeem the cosmos that he has put you in this place where it seems like we're stuck, it seems like struggle, and it seems like difficulty, but God has placed you here to win an amazing victory cosmically over all of creation. Peter Patter. Now, it was told to the king of Egypt, look, these people, they're messed up. They're confused. So it's verse 6, he says, he made ready his chariots. And he took his people with him and 600 chariots, <coughs> 
choice chariots, amazing chariots, all decked out with serious armor, and then a whole bunch of other chariots, and with the captains, every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses, chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen, and his army, and they overtook them. Say, overtook them overtook them while they were camping at Fanshawe Lake. No, while they're camping by the sea, by Pi-Heroth and Baal Zephon, between the rock and the hard place. And Israel lifted up their eyes, so they were very afraid. They were very afraid. And the children of Israel started to cry out to God. So then Moses, it says, because there's no graves in Egypt, you brought us out here to die? I mean, my goodness, what are you thinking? We were getting away. You brought us back into this mess. What were you thinking now? The people we got free of, they're going to take us back into slavery. It would have been better for us to die. It would have been better for us to serve. It would have been better for us to hang around Egypt and be slaves than die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, shut up. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. That's where he said the, shut up. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward. Say, go forward. Turn to your neighbor, say, go forward. Thank you. Go forward. So why do you cry to me? Lift up your rod, stretch it out over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And I will indeed harden the hearts of Pharaoh and he will pursue it. So what happens is Pharaoh is still thinking, I'm going to get these people. I'm going to bring them back into captivity. You know, when, when you get come to Christ and you get set free, the devil, he thinks he can still keep you and still bring you into captivity. But you're going to have his Hooks, his snares, his influence totally separated from your life. Next week, we're having a baptismal service. And when you go through that tank, it says you're identified with Christ, just like they were identified with Moses. And just like they saw here, every single enemy, every single manifestation of Pharaoh totally destroyed and washed away. They knew from this point on, he has no power to affect me forever. So God brought them there so he could manifest his glory and so that they could see for themselves every enemy of their soul is destroyed. So when you come to Christ and you're baptized and identified in him, if you start having troubles moving towards the promised land, it's not the devil, it's you. Don't you love that? I hate that sermon. But you know, you can literally, through your own attitude of grumbling like they did and, you know, just blah, just yuck-a-doo life, not really lay hold of everything that God wants for you. And it's not because he's holding out. It's because you're just unwilling to embrace his goodness and purpose for your life. So do that because every promise of God is yes and amen. And no amount of striving can bring it to you. You just got to say yes. But you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. If I didn't keep moving my elbow, it would have been locked up. Let me show you. I got a couple pictures. You can go find those pictures for me. Can you pull? Look at that. See? Now, that was Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh got stuck because he ate too much honey at Piglet's house, I think it was, right? I, I love that. And there's one. I don't know if the cat got there himself. I think that was somebody just being mean to a cat. Isn't that? That's just wrong to be mean to a cat. You know, there's a lot of believers look kind of like that. Like, oh, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get ahead. So he tells them, go forward. All right, let's go forward. So God takes them into the promised land. He gets them forward, gets them moving. I want to give you seven observations to keep you moving. You ready? Say seven observations. Pastor, 
Okay, number one, you ready? Challenges come. How many know challenges come? You know, it's, it's there. In Job, it says, sure, sparks fly upward. Man is born for trouble. So troubles come. I mean, troubles and bad things happen to good people. I mean, there's, you don't have to try to figure out why did this happen to me and try to think of if I've done something evil. Generally, if you're stuck, it's because you stopped moving. If you're stuck today, if you're stuck in any way, if there's something stuck in you, it's straight up because you stopped moving. Because even if God himself brings you into a place where it's limited or restrained, God has brought you there to take you through. It says, because the people on pilgrimage with him, even when they come to a valley of weak being and a valley of trouble, they turn it into a spring. So you are condemned to a life of victory from glory to glory and gooder to gooder. And that's the purpose of God for you. But you know what? In that journey, troubles will come and challenges will come. They were encamped right there. Pihiroth means tower. Migdal means a hole in the hole in the ground. So they're between this massive hole and a tower. And they got the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh coming behind them. And they're all freaking out. But what did he say? He said, I will gain glory for myself. So no matter what's going on, you can trust God that whatever the situation is, if you're walking with him and you're moving forward with him, even when you come into a place that's challenging and a place that's difficulty, God is always faithful. And even in that situation, he can gain glory for himself. Well, my situation's been really miserable. How many know you've seen a lot of struggles? How many know you've seen people didn't look so good? How, you, know, you know, but that doesn't change the fact that God is faithful and God's intention is for absolute victory and for you to win. And I'm not gonna change my theology no matter what I see. God is good and he promises to take me from good to gooder in every single way. And don't you get talked out of victory. Don't you get talked out of an absolute total breakthrough in every level of your life. Can I get an amen? So here's one observation, really deep truth. You ready? Challenges will come. Amen. All right, number two. It's really deep stuff. Fear not. Fear not. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, fear will start building all those negative things in your brain. Well, you'll start to work against what God wants to do in your life. You'll start building all these structures and things in your head that are going to cause you to get stuck. And fear is something that gets people stuck. Now, look what 1 John 4.18 says. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And what is God? God is love. So if you're in him, you are loved. I mean, you are loved by the one who created all things. You are absolutely, totally loved by God. And what is there in God? There is no fear in God. And there's no fear in your relationship with God. In fact, when you're brought into a relationship with God, perfect love drives out all fear. Isn't that good? Do you got any fear right now? Just introduce fear to the fact that you're loved by God. Introduce fear to the fact that God is for you, not against you. Introduce your fear to the fact that God will never fail you and will fulfill every word that he has over your life. Introduce your fear to the love of God. Another verse for you. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, a spirit of cowardice or craven, cringing, fawning fear. He has given us... See, if your spirit is quenched, if your spirit is fearful, if you're, if you're concerned about the things that are before you, that's not from God, and that's not God. That's not at all what he's trying to say to you, because the spirit that God gave you is a spirit of power and of love and of a calm, well-balanced mind, discipline, and self-control. He's given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. 
That's what God's given you. The spirit that you got from God, his spirit in you is a spirit of power and of confidence and of love. I just about choked on my gum. I was trying to keep it tucked in the corner of my mouth and I was having a hard time preaching, but thank God it was dislodged. May have been unpleasant, but you know. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Come on. What spirit you got? It's a powerful spirit. It's a spirit full of love and a spirit that's sound and equal to every circumstance and situation. Number three. Number three, be confident. Here's what he said to them. Stand still. I mean, they're freaking out. Oh, no. We're not going to make it. Oh, it's terrible. All the news is bad. And he says, stand still. It's funny. He says, stand still. Then he says, go forward. So that's it. So what's he saying when he says, stand still? What he's saying is, look, stop it. Still yourself. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Stop it. Stop fretting. Listen, stand still. I love Philippians 1.28. If it's not underlined in your Bible, it should be. Something you go back to regularly. This is the amplified version. You ready? Do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything. Do not be frightened or intimidated, not in a moment, for anything, anything. Don't let a single thing for a moment in any way intimidate you. Don't let your opponents or adversaries, for there is a constancy and a fearlessness that you have, and it'll be a sign and a proof and a seal to them of their impending doom and destruction. It's a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and your salvation, and that's from God. You know what? Confidence has power, and your confidence will never fail. And you can be confident, you can be courageous in any circumstance, and don't. And the fact that, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on. Put on your confidence. I mean, if it is ugly and it's messy and it's worse than everything, anything you've ever gone through before, put on your confidence, and you will not be intimidated, and that'll be the sign to the devil that he will not have his way in your life or your circumstances. Be confident. Be bold. Number four. Four. See the unseen. See the unseen. Oh, pastor, it's unseen. I want you to see the unseen. How can you see the unseen? You can see the unseen. It says, eyes to see and ears to hear, they're from the Lord. And the Lord has given the ability to see in the spirit realm. The apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light so that you could get revelation of what God's doing. You remember where Elisha had his servant and the armies surrounded them and Elisha said, everything's all right. He said, are you kidding? Look at the armies, they're surrounding us. He said, open his eyes, Lord. And he saw that the armies surrounding the armies were greater than the armies that were against him. You need to see in the spirit. You need to see beyond your circumstances and beyond what's going on. You need to see what God is doing in your circumstances and in your situation. You gotta see. Well, did Moses see? Yeah, it says in Hebrews, it says Moses. This was about Moses. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. He continued. He continued to move forward. He took ground because he saw him who was invisible. How do you move forward when things like that are happening? How do you move forward when nasty things are coming against your life? How do you get out of being stuck like that cat in the sofa? How? It says he saw him who is invisible. Do you see him? 
See, you got to see him over your circumstances. You got to drop the lens of heaven and his purpose and his mind for you over everything you're going through. And if you will do that, you will overcome. You will persevere. You will move ahead in the purpose of God. You will turn your valley of screaming, of baka, of trouble, you'll turn it into a stream because you see him in the situation and you know that his perfect love will never, ever fail you. That's how you get unstuck. That's how you stay unstuck. You got to see the unseen. Number five, number five, you got to trust him. You got to trust him. Some people see him. Some people even get a revelation, but then they don't believe. You got to believe. You got to trust him. He says, the Lord will fight for you. Isn't that good? You got to see God at fighting for you. You got to see him. You got to get into prayer and you got to believe he is the God who hears and answers prayer. He is the God. I love this. Psalm 19 said, I cried to the Lord and he heard me and all of a sudden, one snort of his nostrils, he got on, he started riding on the clouds. He started coming into my problem and situation. He got aggressive in my situation because I cried to the Lord. And you got to believe that he will fight for you right now, right where you are, whatever's going on in your life, God is ready to activate all of his resources to bring you into the fullness that he promised for you. Can I get a yeehaw? yeehaw. Bam, it's really, really good. Trust him, the Lord will fight for you. This is one of my favorite guys in the whole Bible. His name's Shama. Say Shama. Shama, he was brought up by his family, and basically, I don't know why, they called him Shama, which means desolation. That's great, isn't it? Hey, desolation, come for dinner. Oh, okay. So that's what they called their kid. You know why they called him that? Because they had no hope for a preferred future. Every year, they planted all their stuff, took care of it all summer long. Oh, look at the corn growing. Look at our fields. Oh, this is all so good. Look at this. Oops, here come the Philistines. Okay, pack up the family. Let's go. And they ran away from their fields. They ran away from their inheritance. And Shammah, who was called desolation, it says Shammah was a mighty man of God because it says he stood in his field. Everybody else took off and he said, you know what? I am sick of planting my fields. I am sick of partnering with God. I am sick of bringing forward these miracles and everything and then not enjoying it because right when I'm ready to enjoy it, I run away because the devil intimidates me. He said, I'm not doing it anymore. And then I love it. It says, Shammah stood in his field and he def defended his field. He slew the Philistines. And then I love this. And the Lord took credit for it. Isn't that good? <laughs> Shammah stood in his field. Shammah defended it. But you see, when you stand still, God will fight for you. When you stand still, God will fight with you. When you stand in your inheritance and say, I will not be moved from what God's promised to me, God will show up for you in a big way. God, the Lord, wrought a great victory that day because one person, one person and a whole bunch of runaway, fear-mongering weirdos, one person called desolation said, I'm done with that. That's not my inheritance. I'll be the guy who stood in my field and took what is mine, and I'm not being stolen from anymore. And when one man stood in his field, God wrought a great victory over all the Philistines because one person said, enough is enough. This is mine. I'm not going to be stuck in this circular mindset of defeat ever again. I am not desolation. I am he who inherits the very best of God. Amen. Why are you stuck? Why are you stuck? You're stuck because you stopped moving. 
You're stuck because you refuse to go forward. You're stuck because you've decided that this is my narrative. This is my future. I've decided to rehearse it over and over and over again to everybody I know. My life stinks. It'll never get better. That's you. You got to stop that. My life is awesome. God Almighty is committed to my very best. I'm the apple of his eye, and he's going to bring me, even if I'm in a straight and a difficult place, this is not my destiny. I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to take what he wants for me. So you got to trust him. Number six. Number six, stay in peace. Stay in peace, and you shall hold your peace. Holding your peace isn't passivity because in a situation like that, when you hold your peace, it's a manifestation of your confidence. Hold your peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. See, when you trust him, you'll have peace. People will go like, man, nothing's working out for you. Things are really difficult. You seem to be going from mess to mess. No, I'm going from greater opportunity to greater opportunity because God promised me that in this situation, he will be glorified in this. And I am not going to relax my grip on him. I don't care how ugly it gets or how bad the fight looks. I don't care where we are in the battle. I know this, that God, if I keep moving, if I keep on going forward, if I refuse to get stuck in this narrative, I will experience the victory of God. What are you shouting about up there? It's true. It's really, really true. And you know it's true. And you know that God is good, but he will keep in perfect peace who? Whose mind is fixed on him. I'm not looking at my circumstance. I'm looking at him, and I'm looking in his eyes. And his eyes are expressing confidence. His eyes are expressing victory. His eyes are expressing love for me. His eyes are expressing that he will never let me down. He will never fail me. He's a good God, and he will never fail me. No matter how bad it gets or how ugly it is, God is good, and I'm going to stay fixed in peace. All right, there's only seven, and here's number seven. You ready for number seven? Go forward. That's what he said. He said, tell the children of God, go forward. Ah, the Philistines are coming. Ah, yeah, we should have stayed there. I mean, ah, we could have been in slavery. Now we're going to die in the desert. Ah, I ran out, I believed for freedom. I took a few steps into the purposes of God. And now look, it's got messier. I mean, I started to trust him. I started to believe him. And the fight just got uglier. I just started to believe that maybe God's for me. And now look, the enemy's coming. I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. Ah! Ah! Go forward. I love this. I mean, you could have just continued to go away, but I want you to see your enemy totally destroyed. I don't want you just to get away from Egypt. I want to destroy Egypt. And I want you to see the miracle that I will do because I will wipe them out before your eyes. And these people who tormented you, you will never see them again. And it's all, all that's a type of the devil. All that's a type of the kingdom of darkness. And you know what? You never have to worry about it again because you can get unstuck today from every influence and every power of darkness. You can get totally unstuck. But you know what? You got to release your faith. Going forward means release your faith because he had to, Moses had to turn around and he had to stand in front of a Red Sea when it was, you know, a, a full Red Sea, a time of, you know, big, big Red Sea, not like a little across a few rocks. And, and then he had to act. You know, sometimes you got to get your feet wet. Sometimes you got to do something. Sometimes you got to act. Shama stood in his field. I'm not running anymore. 
You know, God will tell you, what are you doing? What do you need to do? He'll speak to you, and you need to act. And he spoke to Moses. He said, take your rod and hold it out over the sea. And if you look at the language of it, it actually says, Moses, strike the water. And it says that Moses struck the water. And it's more like this. The language is more like this. As he struck the water and kept striking the water, it kept on dividing. He struck it, he struck it, he struck it, he struck it, and he got them all the way through on dry ground. And then when he was over on dry ground, he raised his hand again and his, his staff again, and the waters came back over the armies of Egypt, and every single Egyptian warrior was destroyed. And God said, you'll never see them again. I think I got another slide there, don't I? What do we got there? Remember Florence Chadwick? You remember Florence? Florence Chadwick was a long distance swimmer. She swam the English Channel, first woman to do that. She swam all kinds of amazing events, but she wanted to swim from Catalina Island back to, uh, back to California. And she's in the water and she's swimming. It was 21 miles. And they told her, you've already reached 20 miles. You're within a mile of shore. But there was a fog that was so incredibly dense that she couldn't see the shore. That she could hear that they were, you know, shooting shots off because uh, there had been sharks that started to gather. So she could hear shots. They go, what are you doing? She says, well, there's some sharks around Florence, but it's okay. You're going to be okay. You're really, you are meters from shore. You are minutes from shore. And she started to fret and she kept swimming, but, but it was so foggy. The fog was so dense, she could barely see the support boats that were going with her. And then finally she became distraught, overwhelmed. She cried out, get me out of the water, get me out of the water. And they tried to encourage her, you're almost there, Florence. You were almost there. And she just said, I can't take it anymore. They pulled her out of the water and then she looked and she was only several hundred meters from shore. And as much as they tried to encourage her, she couldn't do it. And here's what she said after that. She said, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen land, I know I could have made it. If I could have seen land, I know I could have made it. But the fog was so dense, I couldn't do it. Some of you right now are stuck in fog. Some of you now are stuck in a faulty manifestation that is not right. And it's hindering you from seeing God's best. You know, here's what it says about fog. A hundred foot deep seven block layer of fog a hundred foot deep seven block layer of fog if you could condense it you could put all of that liquid in an eight ounce glass that's amazing and you know what kept you less than what's in here of 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 you know just water that filled the air less than what's in here hindered florence from finishing that 21 mile swim and she was only meters away folks some of you are just meters away from the biggest breakthrough of your life you know, don't let the fog, don't let the fear, the misunderstanding or, or guilt or your past stories or your histories, your onlys, your regrets, your whatevers, your bitterness, your unforgiveness. Don't let the fog keep you from realizing God's very best for you. You're going to make it. You're going to realize it. But the only way to get stuck, the only way to lock up and not realize what God wants you today is if you stop moving. Move it. Move it, move it, move it, move it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because you're always going to see God's absolute best. Never let your circumstances, never let words of anybody else, lies of the devil, the fog of any sort, limit you from what God wants to do for you. Why am I stuck? Because you stopped moving. You're only stuck because you stopped moving. And if you'll move today, 
if you'll embrace the go forward of God for you, if you'll trust his word and if you'll see the invisible and you'll step in and you'll trust him, you're going to see a breakthrough like you've never seen before. Why am I stuck? Because you stop moving. Some are still stuck in a mindset where you're far from God. Some are still stuck under principalities and powers of the air. Some are still stuck in a relationship where you don't even know God. Some are still stuck in a place where you don't know what to believe. But if you would go forward in trusting Him, if you would go forward in expressing your confidence, and if you would go forward right now in seeing what you can't see, in seeing what you can't explain, if trusting in what you can't see and believing, I believe you, you'll become unstuck and you'll move forward in the purposes of God. And He loves you and He's for you and He wants to break you through. He really, really does. Why don't you stand with me? want all the believers you're just praying 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 just ask you just close your eyes bow your heads why do you do that pastor i just want you to just separate yourself for a moment just want you to reflect just want you to put aside everything around you it's just you because you know what your relationship with god your encounter with god it's not second hand it's the real deal it's you and god and right now he's tapping on the door of your heart and he's saying, will you trust me? Will you step into what you can't see? You know, you may not be able to see me, but the effects of me are all over you right now. And I'm tapping on the door of your heart. And I'm ready to act in your circumstances. I'm ready to work with you and part Red Seas and move impossibilities. I'm ready to break you through in the ways that you've never known. Because my desire is to take you from gooder to gooder and better to better and strength to strength. I'm ready to unstick you and unstuck you from your situation. But would you go forward? Will you cross over? Will you step over right now? You know, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never said, I receive you as my Savior. I'm going to make that step. I'm going to move out of my stuckness and I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to express confidence in you. And if you've never done that, I want you to do it today. And I just want to pray with you today. But here's what I want to do. I'm just going to count to three real simple. I'm going to do one, two, three. And at three, if I'm talking to you and you know the Lord's touching your heart and the invisible is becoming real to you right now, it's Him tangibly touching touching you and you want to come to him I'm going to ask you when I count three to put up your hand so I can see it nobody else is looking around this is you reflect on it right now it's God almighty touching your heart right now now listen you ready one two three just put your hand up all over the place all around thank you thank you thank you anyone else put your hand up right now just say i want that breakthrough i i'm stepping out of distrust i'm stepping out of unbelief and i'm stepping into you right now jesus i trust you you can do it again right now right now just lift your hand up high so i can see it high so i can see it thank you you can put your hands down now thank you lord i just want every, everybody's going to pray if you put your hand up i want you to pray Pray out loud. Pray with your voice. And I want you to repeat this after me. And everybody's going to pray with you. But just pray with me now. Say, Lord Jesus, I accept that gift of forgiveness that you have won for me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life. I believe in you. I receive right now the forgiveness of sins and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, flood me, and reveal in me 
that I am a child of God. I declare I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. Totally unstuck. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, nobody else was looking around except for a few people who may have saw your hand up who were designated to do that because they just want to follow up with you. Because we don't want people just to make a decision. We want them to really understand fully what Christ has done for them. So somebody might tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, can I pray with you or help you with this journey? So that'll happen. Right now, the altars are open and folks are here to pray for you. I get so many testimonies of people who've been really radically touched because they've come to the altar. And if you haven't been to the altar for a long time, you should. There's, there's people right now, and, and some of you got unfinished business that the sermon could never do, but an encounter at the altar can touch you and change you forever. And the altars are always open for you. Maybe you're feeling stuck and you just need someone to help and identify and pray with you. You just need someone to agree with you and just minister to you that unstuckness. These folks are ready to pray for you. All right? All right. I love you all so deeply and I'm so grateful to be such an amazing family of believers here. Love you so much. And isn't it amazing that God gave us some good weather for the next week or so? So we're going to have an amazing day today. Hope you enjoy yourself and your family. But I bless you now in the name of the Father. I pray that his great love would be such a powerful revelation in your heart and in your life. And I bless you in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would walk in a revelation, constantly giving you confidence of his unmerited favor towards you. And I bless you with the revelation that the partnership of the Holy Spirit is with you now and always, to go and manifest and demonstrate the kingdom of God in all of its power and glory. So I release you now to be a blessing everywhere you go, in Jesus' precious name, amen.